Welcome back to Vicious Cycle, the podcast about periods and the people who get them. I am your co-blast, Kate Elston. I'm Meg Trowbridge. And I'm Meg Hayes. And welcome to episode 69. We have to address it. When did you first learn what it actually meant? That's a great question. I actually think I know the answer, though. In eighth grade... I got my friend, you know, remember um, magnetic poetry? Yeah, of course. Yes. There was dirty magnetic poetry that like they probably sold it like Urban Outfitters in the year 2000. Spencer's. Totally. (laughs) And so I got it for her for her birthday and we were putting it on her locker and there was a six and there was a nine. And so at that point, I, I don't remember if I knew that, but I did in like in this time, like figure it out because of whatever. Um, but there was also the only other number this poetry had was the number eight. Okay. And there was nothing else. There was no one, two, three, four, five, seven. <laughs> like there was a six, nine and eight. And we were like, what is eight? Why? Mean? <laughs> we both tried to play it off. We were like, yeah. Ooh, eight. eight. Good one. Yeah. I ate all the time. <laughs> I loved it. Eight. <laughs> you know when a guy is like eating you? <laughs> so good. <laughs> I remember I kids were joking about it at school and I was in like seventh or eighth grade and I told my mom like, yeah, the kids were like totally talking about 69ing at school. <laughs> no. So obviously I didn't know what it means because I brought it up to my <laughs> mother to and she was yeah. like, do you know what that means? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was dirt. Like I knew it was adult and I knew, but, and I think I was just kind of showing off and trying to be adult about it, but. Obvi would not have brought it up. Is that you immediately went narc with it, but also tried to look cool in front of your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Meg T, what about you? I, so I definitely remember my brother is making jokes about it. I have no idea what they're talking about. And I just straight up ask him like, but what is it? I don't get it. Like, I don't know what it is in reference to. (laughs) And my brothers are like, just think about it and I'm like (laughs) they did not I don't think you know either (laughs) and just like but we were like okay yeah yeah, I got it no I got it I thought about it Um, how many times did you do that in your youth probably until I was 20 years old yeah Yeah. oh yeah I do I get it I I get it um listeners let us know when you figured out what 69ing was (laughs) um one of us still doesn't know probably (laughs) not me I totally know um (laughs) we're so excited for this episode listeners we are talking with the esteemed comedian and lawyer by day Andrea Coleman (laughs) she's amazing she um came on Vicious Cycle back in July and talked with us about having uterine fibroids so this episode's all about that which was a thing I didn't know existed yeah um at some point in this episode, she shows us a picture of her fibroids. You know how much we love pictures of bodies. Yes. And how much we love describing them using food <laughs> analogies. Um, Maybe don't eat during this episode. Yeah. yeah. Don't eat strawberries. Um, <laughs> but, uh, by the way, note to selves, we should find a picture of fibroids to put on Insta. Yeah. Oh, to yeah. To show people what and we're strawberries. About. Yeah. And strawberries. Um, but yeah, Andrea talked to, to us about holistic approaches that she's tried to healing her fibroids, about her surgery, and just all the trials and tribulations that comes with dealing with uterine fibroids, including having to wear a diaper. Yes. So it's so much fun. We had a great time with her. Um, the other cool thing about Andrea is that she actually had an off-Broadway show called The Fibroid Chronicles. And here's a short clip of that. Something seemed amiss. I talked to six gynecologists, two urologists, and a partridge in a pear tree, and it seemed like the issue was fibroids. Now, fibroids are non-cancerous tumors that can develop on a woman's uterus or in a woman's uterus. Actually, black women are three to four times more likely to have fibroids than white women, and black women are more likely to have them be larger and to develop them at a younger age, and also, they have found a causal link between experiencing racism and developing fibroids. I was shocked. I had no idea. Black women should be talking about fibroids at least as much as we talk about hair grease and Oprah. Great. Yay. So before we get to the interview, I would love to know if there's any period updates. 
among y'all or anything that you want to share where you bleds? Um, I do. Yeah. I, uh, I texted the Blosts um, about a pattern I have uh, uncovered in this pandemic time. Um, so I assumed it was just run of the mill pandemic anxiety, uh, that was causing some insomnia, but it was not every night. It was like, I would have a week where I would wake up at two or three or four o'clock and I just could not get back to sleep. And it just made me like totally useless at work. And then, and that's kind of what kickstarted like me doing these big walks. I was like, maybe if I just make my body really tired, I'll sleep through the night. And that didn't work. Um, and, uh, but I refused to give up wine. So that's <laughs> maybe still part of the problem. But, uh, the main, the, the thing I realized, um, two cycles ago is that it is 100% associated with like my first week of my cycle. Like on my day wow. one, I wake up Notice at like how Meg says first week of her cycle because her cycle <laughs> 45 <be> days <laughs> well I mean a cycle right is 28 days right yes okay but you're talking about your period week Sh- yeah. we don't need okay. to get into the luteal phase Meg that's season six okay <laughs> just keep it simple also like I'm pretty sure I'm like yeah I, who knows what my body is doing and whether i I'm actually ovulating, but I sure am discharging like I am. <laughs> am I right, ladies? Okay. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so from like day one to day four, five, six, like depending on the month, what? I have like just wet, whack ass insomnia. Five and days a W-A-I. month? W-A-I. What the Whack ass insomnia. Yeah. You know. Dude. And so Meg, you oh, need to get your shit checked out. I so okay. So Juan we so need to get I think to I the already bottom of your bitch ass. But we, I think I I can't remember now if it's been addressed in the pod yet or if I ever bring it up. But I did like some tests uh about my business back in February. Oh, okay. And um got the bill mm. for those, which was around four thousand no. dollars. Pardon me? Because my insurance does not cover anything fertility related. What? So if I like get any of my business checked, I have to like try and talk to the not doctor. Even, and be like, hey, you have not to, like, even just like do a, a, not even non fertility, just like what's going on with my So I think like pap smears or like okay. I have the UTI yeah. thing and like Okay, that's good. all I think covered. That has to be. I mean, that's like what that's like basic care. Hell? The law. <laughs> but so now I'm like, so, oh, I don't want to go in and just be like, I'm curious. Can yeah, we yeah, yeah, out? Right. You know, I'm just like, oh, I guess I'll just read you a have blog. To, like make sure it gets covered. But that yeah. should that should be included in like a pap type of thing. I mean, like hormonal health, I feel like shouldn't always be fertility related. Like right. even if someone's not trying to get pregnant. You should like help someone figure out what's going on with their hormones. So are you saying if you went in and you were like, I'm not trying to get pregnant. It's for this other thing. Like so maybe that's, they wouldn't charge you. I'm going to try and game the system and be like, do we not put the fertility code on this what bill? The fuck? It's like when you book a wedding venue and you just tell them it's. Oh, for yeah. Part for a bar mitzvah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> ma'am, you are. 34 years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> who told? And your last name is Hannigan. I this doesn't track. <laughs> oh my God, Meg. That's freaking insane. So yeah, but it's, and it's only been during pandemic and Weird. it happens once a month. And wow. those, that week at work, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't oh know what words are. This is why God. you need period leave. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that would be friggin' great. Also, like I, I've been stocking up my PTO and sick leave, like I, because of pandemic, I just haven't been using them. I really should. Right. Like Take if I didn't sleep, off. I should just be like, I'm taking a half day. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, or a whole day, or a whole damn day, whole day. You deserve it. Thank you, uh, Meg Hayes. You got an update at all? Anything I don't think so. Share? I am currently recording. Actually, hey. you are always recording these days. What can I say? Oh, hi. I am recording. That's exciting. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. I feel like I never, I like only have recorded once on this podcast. <laughs> once <sighs> only. <unfair. laughs> um, I have an update about my bump. I uh, took a shower the other day 
and I feel like I popped overnight because I went to uh, just kind of touch up my, my pubes. Sure. And I could not get to them. <laughs> like you could not see them? I could not see them. And I, it, you know, like I tried to like move my belly out of the way, but it's not, it's, it's a, it's not it's really a firm uterus. It's not having it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's, and that's where we call it. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> Um, that's like me and my boobs, like me. Trying, I'm like, Katie, my like to my sister. Years. <laughs> I'm like, is there so, is there a bite underneath my tit? My tit. <laughs> I can't quite see it. Do you guys also remember in our pubic hair episode, we talked about how, um, in the olden days, like in the fifties, maybe women had to shave before they gave birth. Yeah. yeah. Meg's mom had yeah. to do that. Yes. So I have now seen two TV shows where that has come up. Mad Men. Oh. Uh, before um, before her uh, Twilight. Betsy. Bet before Betsy. What's it? Uh, uh, right. Betty. Uh, yeah. Betty Draper. J- Betty. Before she gives birth to their youngest son, Jean. Um, she has to sh- yeah she has to shave, and then also I'm watching Call the Midwife oh, on BBC, so and uh, there's a, there's been a couple times where they're like, all right, I'll just get ready to shave you now. Um, uh, like does that's the, the first doctor step. do it? It's the midwife. The midwife does it. But then in this in this scene, the woman was like, oh, I've already done it. This isn't my first time. What? Um, how? But I'm like, how do they how? do it? Because I can't. I'm six something months pregnant, and, then and I can't even get there. In Mad Men. Does Betty have to do it herself? I can't. I think the nurse does it in that one. Mm. The actual. Yeah. Hell. And then they kind of knock her out, right? Because that's like the oh, first then time. they totally knock yeah. her out. Yeah. She gets like horse tranquilizer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched uh like probably the first three or four seasons of Call the Midwife, and like especially every episode of the first season, uh, there's at least one one scene that just makes me weep like anytime there's a successful birth I'm just like it's so beautiful human life is incredible it's such a good show it's a good show so far hey everyone this is Kate popping in we're gonna get to Andrea's interview next but I wanted to let you guys know that we at the end of the episode do a why I cried there's so many reasons but I wanted to let you know we did record this the night before RBG died. And, you know, there's just, you can't keep up in 2020 with all the things. Um, But, you know, we record some of these ahead of time. So that's why we don't mention the passing of our hero. I'm sure it'll come up later. Just wanted to let you know. Cool. Let's get to Andrea's interview. Welcome, listeners. Um, We are so excited to have a guest with us today. She is a Brooklyn-based comedy writer, performer, and comic. She's performed at places like Caroline's and the Comedy Cellar. Ever heard of it? Heard of it. Her work's been on BT. Ever heard of it? <laughs> and she's also a tr- senior trial attorney, and she wrote a show that we're going to talk about today called Fibroid Chronicles that was performed off-Broadway, which is... Um, closer to Broadway than I've ever been. So we're so excited <laughs> to welcome Andrea Coleman to the show. Yay. Yay! I guess this is a great place to start. What about uterine fibroid screamed comedy to you? Let's just start there. <laughs> well, well, my mentor talks about how you, how uh, like you, art, you turn like pain into art. So they were a source of a lot of pain and like emotional and spiritual I think and definitely physical and I think like um a lot of the stories around the fibroids were funny in hindsight like when I look back on it and I thought this would be this would be fun I mean there was like moments of the show that are kind of sad and but for the most part it's just when I think about it I'm like I can't believe all the the nonsense I endured for so long when I that I shouldn't have had to put up with unfortunately we hear that um time and time again on this show dealing with pain that like you didn't have to deal with or you should you shouldn't have to deal with um I honestly didn't know what they were Andrea until I met you and this is like how we formed a friendship was just talking about periods for like two hours straight <laughs> at a bar surrounded by comedians we're like yeah 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 so periods great 
We'll be so over blood in this, clots. Am I yeah, right? <laughs> we'll be over in this corner chatting. Um, so I read a New York Times article that described uterine fibroid tumors, also known as leiomyomas, hmm. um, which is which is a great name for like a cat. Great. Leiomyoma. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. Kate rolls off when you get rid of your cats. Your next cat can be Lyoma. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when you sell your cats, um, I think I, I like cats as much as I like Lyomyomas. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, totally right. I don't like cats, and I have two. Long story. It's fine. She's a stepmother. <laughs> I'm a stepmother. It's complicated. Of cats. It's complicated. It's I love them and I hate them. It's fine. Okay. Basically, so, yeah, what are they? <laughs> uterine fibroids are the cats of the body. Famously. Oh. <laughs> famously. <laughs> Andrea's like about to leave the podcast. They're trying to claw their way out of your uterus, basically. Okay. So they are firm, roundish, non-cancerous growths in the uterus that can range in size from a pebble to a football or larger. Lovely. A majority of women in uterus havers with fibroids will not have any symptoms and their fibroids don't pose serious health risks. However, other women will experience mild to severe pelvic pain, heavy periods, painful sex, a bunch of other stuff. Um, it's not often associated with infertility. I think I saw something like 1% or 2% have to do with infertility. Um, and... According to Bustle and a couple of other places that I saw, uh, 70% of white women will develop fibroids by age 50 compared to between 80 and 90% of black women. So a big part of why we're having Andrea on is, one, she wrote an amazing show about this, and two, it's like this weird, I don't know, phenomenon, reality that this impacts black women way more than white women, like three times as much. I feel like I've done enough of my spewing, my reviewing of the of the deets. But Andrea, is let's let's chat about it. Well, I I think I had them for a long time, and so initially I was diagnosed with having them just based on the the like uh, heaviness of my period. And then it wasn't until years later that, um, you know, we could actually see or they actually did a transvaginal ultrasound to actually see them. So they didn't really feel like anything for a long time. And then I think I started to experience them because I people would ask me a lot if I was pregnant or when I was due and things yes. like that. Because cute. it kind That's of made... So <laughs> no, this is a thing. There's They talk about a woman in this New York Times article and she said she looked four months pregnant yes. from her fibroids. Yeah, I mean, I had the uterus of a woman who was how many weeks? Um, oh my gosh. I think I had the, the, the uterus of a woman. I can't remember the weeks now, but it was like 20 something weeks. It was about four months pregnant. That was like how much Get space out. they were taking up. So they kind of looked like a cute little baby bump. And, um, and women, it was always, it was usually women who were saying to me, oh, and like touching the belly and like thinking I was being coy. I'm like, I'm not being coy. This conversation is very intense for me right now. I'd like to leave the kitchen of this office. Wow. And at that point, point, did you know you had them or were you like, why am I bloated so bad? I think I kind of just knew I had them and I'd been told like what what Meg was saying about like, oh, they're, you know, they're not really a big deal. Just, you know, take birth control pills or just take uh, like, you know, this is just what you're dealing with. Like there's nothing that needs to be done about them. Um, but then they progressively just things started getting worse and worse. Um, so like I would I my period was extremely heavy. Like um, I had to wear like a, the ultra if when I could find it the ultra tampon because ultras are very hard to find. They're coveted in my life. So the (laughs) ultra tampon with the, um, like the overnight pad and I would wear those both during the day. And then I would have to change them every hour on the hour. And if I didn't change them every hour on the hour, there would be problems. Like I've definitely leaked through my work clothes onto my work chair. Um, 
and like had to wear like a coat wrapped around my waist or <laughs> middle school coat. style. <laughs> exactly. we're, we're familiar. Exactly. We're familiar. <laughs> it's a good look. You know, it works on most types. It's timeless. <laughs> um, and then like at night, because you can't wake up every hour on the hour, although I I probably would have because I'm like, you know what, whatever needs to be done, even if it's insane. Um, but like, uh, so I would have to wear, I did the, my big discovery was adult diapers. So I would wear adult diapers at night. That way I could kind of relax. And I mean, I would still wear the ultra tampon and the overnight pad, but I'd wear the diaper so that, you know, I'm not getting up every hour on the hour. Um, and so when I was spending the night at my boyfriend's house, I thought I could put on a diaper without him noticing. I, <laughs> I was very confident that this could happen and um because to show how oblivious we think men are like maybe we don't give them just enough credit <laughs> so like i had put on the tampon just tell him it's a light day he'll never know the difference <laughs> <laughs> so i like we're in the bed like i think we'd like made out above the waist or something and uh nice. for another light i'm like oh i have to go to the bathroom Go to the bathroom, slide on the diaper, get in the bed. And it was literally like like five seconds later. And he was like, um, what is that? And I was like, nothing. I don't know. There's like crinkling of paper. I, like- <laughs> I was going to say you walk back into the bedroom and it's like crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. <laughs> and he was like. Is that a diaper? And I'm like, and I was like mortified, like oh my god, mortified, because I'd never, I'd never tried this before. <laughs> I had never been. It, I wanted to die. Um, and and I was like, well, I, I and I said, yes, yeah, yes, I yes, I have a heavy period. Um, and he, he said, he was like, oh my god, that's so cute. And I was like, it is. And he's like, yeah. So I mean, he didn't say like yeah. He didn't say it like that. But High five. <laughs> it was fine. And he, but he, he was really supportive of it, and it became like I don't know. He's like, oh, I love it when you wear the diaper. Are you wearing the diaper tonight? And so it becomes <laughs> like this. Instead of me feeling like ashamed of it, it became. It just felt really fun. And so yeah, I just I think my period was last week, and so yeah, I wore my diaper That's and. Great. Wow. I mean, either it's like he's the most supportive partner ever or he has a weird fetish that we, we need to talk about. But either way, it's working for you and I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> it aligns. It lines up. Oh, my God. So wow. all of this and- was happening and your doctors were like, normal. It's just that is bonkers. Wow. And then, like, with the Diva Cup, because, <sighs> you know, I like to think of myself as, like, granola-y or whatever. It's really hard to find natural products that are highly absorbent. And um, the the Diva Cup is just, like, like, you're supposed to be able to wear it all day. I can't wear a Diva Cup all day. So I was wearing the Diva Cup and then trying to change that every night. And it I mean, every hour. And it was, like, a, it was like a crime scene. Because, like, you take it off and it, like, pops. And so it all, I'm like, great, I'm in my work bathroom and now I have to figure this out. Like, I have to clean up this bathroom. The stall. I'm, like, trying to clean the bathroom stall. You know, we've heard a lot of people tell talk about, like, yeah, pulling out a diva cup or a menstrual cup and it, like, flinging on the on the wall. And the, But the way you just described it made me think of one of those, like, Fourth of July poppers that you get. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're kind of the same shape too, yeah, right? It's true. like it's like you pull, you pull, you pull, and then it's like release, <laughs> and then it's like <laughs> confetti. <laughs> so I can't, I couldn't do anything with those. Okay, so then the issue was the fibroids. I didn't realize this initially, but like I started having problems urinating because the fibroids would like were pressing on my bladder, oh, and nice. so what would incrementally happen is like incrementally happen is like if I had to pee and I didn't pee immediately um then when I actually went to the bathroom to pee I my body it like it wouldn't release so then I became like fanatical about um peeing immediately because I didn't want to hold it because I didn't want the pee switch as I called it to turn off um and then like 
my man and I went on a trip and it was, I had forgotten my diapers at home and we were in (laughs) a foreign country and it was horrible. We were staying in an Airbnb and I leaked onto the mattress of that Airbnb, I think three times in one night. And so I had to wake him up all each of those times that I could clean the mattress and so we had also tried to find diapers in uh, Denmark. It was Denmark. We tried to find diapers in Denmark. Um, they only had like children's diapers. So then I bought like the largest child size diapers I could find. Wow. I mean, Den- the Danes have it so good with their healthcare system that <laughs> yeah, no they're like, one what is this? Incontinence. <laughs> we have preventative like, everything. I know. There's no such thing as adult incontinence in Denmark. Yes. <laughs> It's true. I couldn't find any. And um, and then, so then I'm, I'm at this Airbnb trying to fit a child diaper on my my body. It didn't fit. It was too small. Um, and that's what led to leaking onto the mattress. That's Meg Trowbridge's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Onto yeah. A match- that's truly your nightmare, Meg. I have a pretty, you know, uh, manageable period. And yet on my period... I, if I, I wake up on my stomach and I'm like, ah! did it happen? <laughs> Every month. Every month. Meg sleeps like like slightly arched. Yeah. So her like. But higher than the rest of my body. <laughs> I'm going to be terribly hunchback. When I'm older. <laughs> but your sheets will be clean. Clean, baby. <laughs> so Andrea, was, was this diaper saga uh, a part of the Fibroid Chronicles? Yes, absolutely. I think I, I brought a I brought a diaper onto the stage. That's amazing. To do a visual. So let's I guess let's go back and talk about what we call your menstrual journey. So um, do you remember your first period? Absolutely. And okay, I remember great. what I was wearing. <laughs> wow. Girl. Okay, Kate remembers the day. But wearing of outfit, that's I don't think we've heard that before. Impressive. Very impressive. I wanted I wanted. Oh, I wanted my period so bad. Like I was like so excited for it. And I was seeing a, I was seeing, I was going to a, uh, what's it called? A, a kid doctor, pediatrician. So the doctor, his name is Dr. Toland. Love him dearly. He was the best. He might still be alive. I don't know, but he, I just, he doesn't treat me anymore. And he was like, I think her, she's going to get her period soon. And now I don't know if he was just making small talk. But I thought this is the gospel. I'm getting this period. Like it's coming within days. And it didn't come within days. It didn't come within months. It took like forever. I'm like, Dr. Tolan said the period was going to come and why didn't it come? So I really wanted it. And like, it was the kind of thing where once I, like, when I got my period, I knew my mom was going to take me out to dinner. Like it was going to be this big thing. Like I could not wait, could not wait. And so I got it the day we were going to like an office party for my mom's boss. I was wearing a red skirt, perfect, and like a navy blue, like faux uh, nautical blazer. What a fancy tween you were. Quite dapper, (laughs) indeed. I was at 12 years old, and um, (laughs) it wasn't enough blood to preclude uh, me going to the party, but I was like, I was like so excited, and it felt, I was like, this is great, and I... My mom took me, I, I picked a Chinese restaurant. My mom took me for Chinese and I had fried rice. It was great. So I was really happy. Oh, that is wow. so sweet. I love, I love that you knew that your mom was going to celebrate this. Mm-hmm. Like that was like, you're like, this has to happen because I'm going to get dinner out of it. <laughs> <laughs> to not only remember your outfit, but also the meal you ate. I mean, that is specificity right there. I really yeah. wanted it so bad. <laughs> so how how were yeah, so how were your periods after that, like in your teen years? Yeah, they were good for they were good until I think like 15, 16, they got real bad. Like around maybe like four or five years afterwards they didn't they got bad where I was a lot of bloating and like heavy bleeding and um I would say, like, by the time I was going to college, I would have to take, like, 800 milligrams of ibuprofen every four hours. And that I was, like, setting an alarm for to wake myself up at night to make sure to take it because it was – I did not want to deal with the cramps. They were pretty bad. 
Wow. Because like that, I would imagine that wasn't because of fibroids, right? When you're a teen, like that would be very early to get them. Yeah, it would. I mean, you were citing some of the um, some of the scientific studies and there is a causal relationship between experiencing racism and developing fibroids. And I had I mean, when I eventually had surgery, I had a lot of them. So it's it's certainly possible that I'd been having, you know, developed a lot of them. And I feel like my either because of my environment or because of my body, I'm naturally prone to getting them. But um, I didn't notice the like distended belly until later. But I don't know, it could also just be stylistically, maybe, you know, child of the 80s, I was wearing loose clothes, who knows, but. Do we know what, does anyone know what causes fibroids? I can't speak for like 100%, but my impression, it has to do with um, excess hormones of estrogen. I got some like, uh, well, I was gonna say blood work, it wasn't blood work, a stool sample done in the last few months. And I have this kind of, uh, I can't, I don't know if it's a bacteria or something where, there's something that's presently going on in my body that makes it hard for my body to pass uh, estrogen. So like, you know, est- like old estrogen that does- isn't needed anymore is supposed to like come out through your stool. The estrogen that's supposed to be leaving, my body is doing something to it where it takes it out of the waist, makes it radioactive, and then it lets it just distribute itself throughout my body, causing wreaking havoc instead of like pooping out. Uh, but I'm like working on that right now, taking these Your supplements. Your body is and all so that stuff. innovative. You know? <laughs> disrupt the yes. poop. Let's just disrupt it and try something new. Your body's just those Fourth of July poppers, just estrogen, blood. <laughs> what else can we put? Get our hands up. So what was it about the fibroids that made you want to do a show about them other than the diaper being hilarious? Um, I think because I I went through a lot of healing uh, in order for me to be able to uh, get rid of them because I, I'm not very trusting of human beings. Like it, you know, you know, people can, there's like the way, the way I see it, it's like you relate to yourself you relate to human beings. And then there's like the way you relate to like the universe, the divine or whatever. And so I'm definitely much more comfortable in the way I would relate with myself and relating to a divine energy more so than humans. I think if there was a way for me to like heal fibroids that would have just been able to like exclude partnering with human beings, then I would have been fine. But I I had to be vulnerable and like partner with human beings in a way that made me feel afraid to do so. And I think also I just kept being like, whatever I have to do to deal with this, I'm just going to keep doing it. Like if I have to wear a diaper, I'll wear a diaper. If I have to change my, change everything every hour on the hour, I'll do it. If I like whatever I have to do. And, um, and my dad said to me, he was like, you know, you seem like you're having a lot of challenge. And I think you could be having a better experience than you're having. Like, I don't think you should have to put up with this. Um, and I had done a lot of things to try to get rid of them, like naturally, like um, Mayan abdominal massages and like... I've heard good things about Mayan massages. It felt great, but um, it didn't get rid of the fibroids for me and vaginal steams and... Um, I changed my diet. I stopped eating this. I started eating that, you know, like all this stuff. And um, I think the reason why I was like, I want to make a story about this because I feel like what shifted for me, what had to shift is like trusting, specifically trusting other women. Because I'd had like a traumatic experience when I was, um, I think at like my second gynecological appointment, I had like a traumatic experience with the woman, with the uh, female gynecologist. And it really uh, like triggered me. Um, she had a male medical student and he, and she was like, oh, can he like come in and sit in on your exam? And I'm like, I'm like 16 years old. Like, no, like, and I just felt um, 
it just, I was like, why are you, I didn't like that she asked me. I didn't like that she asked me out of earshot of my mom. Cause like my mom was in the waiting room and I'm like, I feel like you're deliberately waiting until I'm by myself and like you're in this authority position and you're in a lab coat and, um, saying like you, uh, asking me to do this thing. And I could, and I felt like she really wanted me to say yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do it. And I could see the guy down there and whatever. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but no, I don't want you looking at my 16 year old vagina. Right. And, um, so I said no. And I could tell that she was pissed because she said something like, um, nobody's like consenting or something. And I'm like, okay. And then we went in for the exam and I just felt like, um, she was like angry, like angry at me and was taking that anger out on me as she was doing the pelvic exam because it was painful. And so it was just like a traumatizing, triggering experience for me. And I just had never felt comfortable going to the gynecologist since then. And in order for me to get the fibroids, I was going to have to trust another medical professional, another female, uh, like another gynecologist. And I didn't really want to do that again. Um, but I did. And um, it was a positive experience, but it took a lot to get there. Yeah. That's really crazy and tough. And so you had surgery on them eventually. Yes. I had a abdominal myomectomy. So there's there are two kinds of surgeries you can get. Well, I was told there were two kinds. I don't want to say that those are the only two available ever. But there's one where basically you do a cut, the, the same kind of cut that you would do for having a C-section. Um, or there's a way that they can do it where it's, uh, where I think they go in. Laparoscopic? Yes. I Just using my intuition, I decided it would be better for me to do the one where they cut you open. And then it turns out that I had so many fibroids. I had... Um, that she said, she's like, I stopped counting at 33. So I had over 33 no. fibroids. My and so <laughs> if they had tried to do the other kind, I they wouldn't have been able to do it. Like they would have had to be like immediately converted to abort, like, a, abort, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. They got all of them and it, it was a successful surgery, but um, it was crazy. <laughs> it was really wild. And then do they come back ever? Are they at risk of coming back? They are. So it's kind of like, okay. Because that's like an endometriosis, same thing. It could be. I don't know anything about endometriosis, but I did go get another, I got another transvaginal ultrasound in April. And I have at least five more. But they're not... I mean, the reason I went to see a doctor for like a fertility doctor. And so she's like, they're not in a place where it's going to affect pregnancy or anything like that. And I'm not having the experience of uh, like, like my period isn't as heavy as it was before with the 33. And I'm not having like the urinary um, like incontinence or whatever that I was having before. So how big was the biggest one? I I don't know. I do have a picture of them. Yeah, we're going to need to see it. We're going to need to see it. <laughs> send it to you. Wait, actually, it's on my phone. We've seen a lot on this favorites. show, so. We've if, seen each other. If you're comfortable, blood. we're very comfortable with it. <laughs> Let's see. I think I have them. I stopped counting at 33. That's not a great thing to hear from a doctor. No. <laughs> I'm like, in, any, in any situation. In any situation. <laughs> like, why did you stop counting? I know. Why was that the I magic number? As a doctor, I just don't count past 33. It's just something I don't do. It's just so. a rule I have. We all have our limits, and 33 is mine. <laughs> I know I have a picture of it because I used the picture in the show. Oh, um, wow. That's some shock value. When right that there. happened, what did the audience, what was their reaction? It's always a gasp. It was a gasp. Like, <gasps> and they, she also took a picture of um, like the way my uterus looked before and after, like the difference in the size. Andrea, while you're looking, another question I had is, did your mom have this issue and women in your family? My mother did have fibroids, but she didn't have them like this. I think I built like my dad's side of the family and I had an aunt on my dad's side of the family who had fibroids, but I hadn't heard of anybody 
having as many as I had. I, I don't think black people are going to the doctor as much as they can go, can and should be going. And I get it. I understand it. Um, it's just been a very, it's, it's historically very traumatizing for black people going to the doctor because we're often historically being lied to and tested on and things are being done to us without our consent and without our knowledge. I'd read this book, Fannie Lou Hamer, who was a civil rights activist, like she had gone into the hospital to get a fibroid taken out and they gave her, um, they took her ability to have children. So um, sterilized her. Um, and that, you know, just it was done as a practice to, um, for black women. So I feel like a lot of the like fear and concerns that black people have about the doctor and trusting doctors, even if we don't know the history, I think we can kind of like feel the history, like in our, like uh, generationally. Um, totally. So, yeah. Well, and I know like they talk about um, black maternal mortality rate is so much higher because like the pain isn't acknowledged in the same way. Like it's not believed and like they're not treated in the same way. And it's just like, there's absolutely still reasons to be dubious of. Yeah, Andrea, in one of your videos, system. in one of your videos, you threw out the stat of like almost half of med school students believe that black people have a higher pain threshold. And those are medical students. Yeah. Or and like, like that our skin makes it so that we don't feel it's like, what are you talking about? That's not true. No. Is this happening? No, no. So I think. There's a lot of uh, a lot of work to be done, and like, cause my my man has had to kind of deal with this in the sense of like, you know, his concern for my well being. Like, okay, where are we gonna go? Like, if we decide to move, like, I want to make sure it's gonna be a place where it's gonna be safe for you. I don't want you to be like being looked at funny, and um, there's just so much advocacy. He wants to make sure you can get diapers at the ready if you need to. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, do you have advice for, for black women or black people with uteruses that might be going through, whether it's fibroids or some other medical issue, um, do you, since you've been through this, like, what's your advice? I would say get second and third opinions about things. Um, most every single medical professional I've worked with has been imperfect in some way. Um, but they've all at least giving me some nuggets of information and I put it all together. So I would say if you, if you're seeing one doctor and it's not feeling good, go see another one and another one and another one. Oh, then there's the thing that's really great to say that I think has been going on on social media, which is like, if you want a test done and they're refusing to do it, then say, please document this in my file that I asked for and that you said no. And if you do that, then they usually give you what you ask for. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so like, I would say there's Western medicine that's great, but I would say try the other kinds as well. I mean, I I changed my diet. And when I did change my diet to try to get rid of fibroids, I didn't know I had 33. If I had known I had 33, I think the first <laughs> thing I would have done was the surgery. But I thought I had like five. And that maybe if I like cut out dairy and sugar and, but I still think that like, the diets of, of black people, I think we could do better. Like I say, this is somebody who I used to eat like pork every night. Pork. <laughs> like I had a fistful of peanut M&Ms for breakfast. Like, <laughs> I would you eat. don't need to feel any shame in this room. <laughs> I would eat french fries and ribs every night. And I mm. it was a great life. My man is not going to support that. He's like, we're not doing that. Um, but I do think that there's a lot that black people we can do for ourselves to help our health. And unfortunately, a lot of it is like not eating as much as the really awesome food that we grew up eating or like finding ways to prepare it that uh, are non-traditional. Like when I was going over to my man's house. I live here now, too. It was here. And like I come home, come over and he's like, OK, I'm like, he's like, I made dinner for us. I was like, oh, great. He's like, but I um I am going to also make us some collards, collard greens. And I'm like, wait, when are we eating? He's like, oh, we're probably eating in like 20 minutes. I'm like, how are we going to be eating in 20 minutes if you're making collards? 
because I grew up in Virginia and in Virginia and my family, if you're making collard greens, those things are cooking for four to six hours. Like it's <laughs> on the pot. Like, like there's like ham hocks in it. Like you can't make that in five, like five minutes. And my man is a white guy from New Jersey and he's like, collard greens don't take a long time. You just put it on the stove and you like saute it up and you're okay. And I'm like, so you're, you're going to serve me raw collard greens? Is that what you're going to me undercooked collards? Um, and they were delicious. So I'd say I, oh. I'm a big proponent in like developing relationships with other cultures because you can learn sometimes a healthier way to make something. I, it's funny because, uh, Kevin, my my husband, um, he was trying to talk my dad into eating kale, and I, the amount of raw kale I've eaten in a salad, and just been like, why do we do this to ourselves? Like, there are so many other green things we can eat, and we can cook the kale. But he was trying to convince my dad, and he was like, they're like little Brillo pads for your intestines. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. That's yeah, exactly that's why right. we don't eat them raw. And that worked. That worked on your dad, right? He's in oh, he kale all the time. Every day. Great. I found the pictures. Oh boy! Oh boy. Show them. Show them. Okay. <gasps> oh my god, Andrea! It looks like a bunch of donut holes. Oh. <laughs> and they're all like different sizes. Oh wow. God. Okay, listeners. That's what we call our fans. Bleeding listeners. We are looking at a photo of like a surgical bucket. <laughs> like I thought you were going to show us like an ultrasound, but here we are looking at like the This is like something you bring to removed. a potluck. Yeah, it looks like either like like donut holes. I know it's probably redder and like tissue, but right now from what you're showing us it looks like like a bunch of donut holes in a bucket. Okay, but look at the hand for scale and then look at that the big <gasps> one at the top. Yeah, right, because that top that one, one, is that one big one? That is a Nerf football, baby. Yeah. At least. That is a potato Andrea, God wow. bless you one, for two, carrying One, two, three, four, this. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> oh I stopped counting at 12. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kate doesn't have a medical degree. She can only get to 12. <laughs> that is insane in the That's membrane. Crazy. Wow. I can't stop looking at it. It's like beautiful and disgusting all at the same time. I mean, what I think is kind of weird is that uh, all the bloasts were like, what food does it look like? Donut holes? <laughs> Strawberries? Strawberries. It looks like something pot lucky. <laughs> like, are we hungry? What's wrong with us? I don't know. I, we've ruined so much food for our listeners. Yeah. Wow. Really thank you so much for sharing wow. that photo. Wow. That is- yes. Thank you. I'm trying to find the picture of the, the uterus. Uh, oh, here it is. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay, your eyes literally just grew like three times in size. Extreme uterus makeover before I want to see the show because it's just Andre being like, oh my God, I forgot how bad it was. And then the audience <laughs> is like, don't show us, please. So you want to see the before surgery first? Yeah. Okay. <gasps> That's your, wait, what is, wait, what is that? That's my uterus. It's outside your body? So that's what I thought. Apparently, they took it's it. just a blanket around my body. So it's still in there. That's what a uterus looks like? Okay. That's what a uterus with the fibroids looks like. Yes. Let me show you the oh other. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wait. This is this is another angle. It yeah. looks like a water balloon. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Like a <sighs> balloon animal. And it has like little... Yeah. Little bobs. Blobs. Looks like a cute little piggy, honestly. Looks like so an adorable Andrea- piglet. Is this when you were considered technically like four months pregnant? Yes. Yes. I'm four months pregnant at the moment. <gasps> so I'm looking at this being like, is that what I... Is that, that wild? Little... That's insane. Oh, okay. And so Crazy. this is after they took it out. Took them out. <gasps> oh wow. My God. It's flat again. And it looks like the uterus. Andre, we've never seen in four seasons a real life <gasps> picture of That's so true. That's so true. This is quite a moment. And it's your ovaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is so cool. Wow. Why haven't we... Okay, guys, we, why haven't we looked at a photo why of the I this before? Why did we think to do this? <laughs> I'm actually, like, amazed at those photos. That's incredible. Who took those photos? This is the surgeon? The surgeon. She, can ca- she wow. can't count to 33, but she can take a photo. Yes. Oh, let me get a different angle. 
before we officially started the episode, we were talking about what we ate for breakfast, classic small talk. And you mentioned that you were fasting in the morning. And um, so like talking about intermittent fasting and how that might help and also vaginal steaming. Like I feel like our the three seasons leading up to this season were all manifest destiny to interview you because so we've talked about fibroids. <laughs> briefly in one episode we talked about intermittent fasting and hormone balancing in another we talked about vaginal steaming and now here you are showing us pictures of your uterus (laughs) (laughs) but i mean have you found some of those things to like have had good effect or i like i so i i um because i had taken one of those like 23 and me tests and then another test, I can't remember, it's similar to 23andMe, but it said that I had an increased likelihood of developing Alzheimer's, like late stage Alzheimer's. And so mm. when I found that out and I have a, a grandmother who had Alzheimer's, I was like, okay, what can we do about this? And so they say that uh, fasting is really good for like improving brain function and um, really helpful for you know making sure that you don't get Alzheimer's. So I started at January 1st of this year. I noticed, I mean, it's hard to tell what's going on with my brain because it's, I don't know, but I like, um, but I feel like my, uh, I would sleep much deeper and just like anecdotally feel like my afro is thicker, which I like. And um, I do think that um, I'm giving my body like a fighting chance to try to heal things on its own. Um, So I do think my period's a lot like later lighter than it used to be and more manageable thank god yeah like this past period i didn't even use a tampon (gasps) oh my god i feel like we should applaud for you (laughs) (laughs) thank you wow wow like i because i yeah i didn't have to i mean i i still use like a overnight pad through the day but i didn't have to change it like every hour on the hour when you say fasting, do you mean you only eat like certain hours of the day? Yes. So some people call it time restricted eating. Um, but basically like conf- like uh, for most of the day, I'm only drinking water or black coffee. Wow. So you can't because I was like, I can also totally skip breakfast as long as I can have black coffee. Yeah. When you have your period, do you still fast? Oh, Yes. I do. I'm like, I am not effing around. I am not going to get Alzheimer's if there's anything I can do about it. Also, like, you kept up fasting during the pandemic? Wow. Wow. The real hero. (laughs) (laughs) Question one. What is your period's favorite comfort food? Like, if your period could go into, like, a grocery store and order something, what would it order to eat? Potato chips or french fries. Any specific mm. type of potato chip? Like ru- potato chips with ridges. So ruffles okay. Okay. and french fries. Ah, oh, j'adore. I mean, the best french fries in America are McDonald's. True. 100%. 100%. Um, if your uh, period was any TV character, who would your period be? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like who's super extra on TV? <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's a good point. Well, okay. The first character that's coming to mind, it's a Netflix show. It's Mindy Kaling's Netflix show. It's, it's so called good. Never Have I Ever. I love the show. I'm going to choose her, although I don't know her name, but it's the lead girl and she's so dramatic. Yeah. She gets like she really, really obsessed. <laughs> she's like violent. I'm like, I yeah. like this girl. <laughs> It's my favorite show right now. It's so lovely. Everybody go watch it. It's really good. Okay, final question. If a movie were made about your period, what would the title of the movie be? It could be an existing movie or a new title. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Obsessed. Wow. Because my first thought was like, like, don't try to forget me. Like, you can't forget me. (laughs) Your period's obsessed with you. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) So are there any final thoughts you want to impart on our listeners as they continue on their menstrual journeys? My life got immensely better after I discovered adult diapers. So um, really, because there's just, there's such a feeling of like relief. Like you can roll around and do anything when you got them on. Sleep. 
Um, yeah, so that's like a practical piece. And then I would also impart um, what I've learned is that sometimes things are going on with me physically because I need to learn something on a spiritual level. And uh, so just to kind of be willing to surrender and go where you need to go. Andrea, do you have any shameless tampons, a.k.a. plugs, that you would like to share with us? <laughs> Tampon is French for plug, we discovered. <laughs> so now it's shameless tampons for any upcoming shows, That's your Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, oh my, I, I created a law comedy show and it was on TV last night. So if you go to my website, there's got like a link that you can click to watch my law comedy show. So my website is Andrea Coleman Comedy, and there's like, well, I've done some web series, so there's some videos up there that you can watch, but there's a way to watch my law comedy show that way. Cool. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on Vicious Cycle. Yes. And sharing some knowledge and pictures and everything with us. This was so lovely. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I love like, I love all the like, I don't know, the feminine connection and energy. It's super fun. Um, yeah, so that was a super awesome interview. Um, what stuck with, well, first of all, listeners, if anyone has also experienced uterine fibroids, please call us or, or call Instagram us. us. 9106 uterus is the number you can always reach us at. Um, but what struck me about listening back to that, at that, that call or that interview was that, you know, she talks a lot about the history of of black women, women of color, marginalized women being sterilized yes. and having experiments done on them. And that's not changed. Nope. It's 2020 and we are now learning about what's happening at ICE detention centers. And Freshly I just wanted to the news. flag that. And that and, was brought up and, by a black woman who said, this is feeling yes. like it's Nazism and concentration. Right. And yes. like, you know, of course, black women know all too well that history. I just it doesn't feel like a coincidence to me that it was a black woman standing up like that didn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, vote, everybody vote for president. Vote vote. like women's bodies depend on it because they do do. and they always have. And it sucks. Um, Great. So on that note, should we do a why I cried? We haven't done a why I cried. How about Meg hit us with it? Why did I? This week, this week. Nobody's supposed to be here. be here When I talk about why I cried this week Ooh. There's a million reasons why <laughs> That's um, probably one of our best ones Yeah, I'll I'll start Um, I cried ugh, this weekend by the time, well, when will this, this comes out? Okay, anyway, whatever. There have been wildfires in California, and it was really bad air quality in San Francisco. It was really hard. I'm sure everyone out there can fathom that there was the pandemic, and then there was social unrest, and then yeah. there was... Wildfires. Wildfires. But now, smoke. like, our friends in New York are posting pictures of... Yes. They're getting smoke yeah, up. Yeah, it's insane. So I had a particularly bad weekend this past weekend which involved a trip to Safeway with Carl and uh him not questioning me as to why I stocked up on so much LaCroix but he was just like hey sir I thought you know we got a soda stream do you really need like 24 cans of LaCroix (laughs) and I just looked at him with my N95 mask on and I was like it's the only thing that can bring me joy right now and I (laughs) lost it and I had to leave aisle six and go to the car and cry (laughs) like it truly was awful because I was just like I can't drink I can't smoke I can't hang out with friends I can't go visit my parents I can't go on a walk Mm. yeah I can't open a fucking window yeah so once again please vote (laughs) please vote vote. so your girl can breathe air (laughs) and not cry in a safe way sadly that's a uh, feels like a timeless why I cried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leaning on Lacroix for just the last shred of it's hope. the last straw. Let me have this, Carl. Um, so I cried uh, this week. I was particularly sensitive, and when I'm looking at 
my cycle as a whole, my holistic cycle. Um, at this point where I'm at, I'm like day today I'm day 15, but super sensitive days were day 12 through 14. And that's like kind of unique. So I was like, I don't know what's going on, but like work was super stressful. There was just like a lot going on. And I think I was kind of, we recently had layoffs and there's been like a big shift in like how we do our work. And like, I was kind of just like, I don't know. I'm going to see how the cards fall. And like, I'm not too worried. I'm flexible, baby improv. Yes. And, and I think this week it finally hit me where I was like, oh, everything's different and harder. And I don't know if I'm going to be good at this anymore. And, uh, and like, I kept thinking about like coworkers I really liked working with and, and then like the smoke was terrible and I didn't have like my walks and Kate, I, I, I te- we were texting and I think we were talking about maybe hanging out this weekend and watching something. And like, I was like, that sounds great. Sob emoji. And then just me typing the sob emoji made me tear up. And I was like, <laughs> I'm losing my mind this week. I don't know who I am anymore. And then, and my boss could tell there was something going on. She's like, we need to have like a one-on-one let's, let's talk. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm just freaking out for no reason. And so now I know, because this happens like maybe a couple times a year also where I just have like crazy imposter syndrome. And I'm just like, I don't think I'm good at anything. I don't know why I have a job. And so now I am also going to have this shorthand with my boss where it's like, I'm just having my, I need to be told I'm pretty phase right now because I haven't gotten a lot of good feedback for a while. And I'm wondering like, am I just total garbage now? Also, that's just like normal. Maybe that's like a cultural thing at your work that they need to work on. Maybe. Well, because there's also like another coworker who like is getting a lot of praise. And so, and I'm like, I keep looking at Zuzu interacting with the new kitten. And I'm like, am I Zuzu? <laughs> when no. seeing the new kitten and being like, oh, yeah, cute new young thing comes around. Huh? No, I see man. how it is. <laughs> Anywho, I've just, it's been a week, you guys. It's been uh, a week. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, just saying like, I'm obsessed with these like tools of white supremacy. But one of the tools of white supremacy <laughs> is like, not giving people feedback on like you're doing a really good job it's Mm. just like letting people do their shit and then not saying anything Mm -hmm. which feels like shit yeah no feedback as good feedback is terrible it's bullshit (laughs) yeah so I don't know I agree with Kate what Kate said in our text thread which is like the world is the reason why you were so emotional. You don't need to find yeah. a reason to I don't be need crying to be like, right now. I was, it was me. I'm a fool. No, it's because everything's terrible and I need to be loved. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it's because we have no outlet. Like totally. the world has always been bad, but there was always a distraction, not a distraction, but there was always a way for us to release yeah. our, our, our frustration and sadness and go meet up with friends and have a drink yes. and, and go see a movie and go, go watch sing the stupid songs go in front of people. And like comedy shows and exactly. Yeah, exactly. And we don't have any of that. So we're just in a bubble of negativity and yeah. it's really, really getting to me. Yeah. 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 I saw a post that said, um, maybe it's zoom fatigue or maybe it's like, and then it just listed like all the horrible things oh, that are yeah. happening. <laughs> like we don't need a label. It's just like pick a thing. Yeah. Is there a reason you cried Mayhay? Um, my dog had a bit of a, a couple of rough days. Um, she like threw up and then her back legs kind of went out and she was like stumbling to get outside. Um, but it sounds like she just has like old dog syndrome, which is like (laughs) an actual thing. ODS. It was like, it starts with a V. The real thing starts with a V, but it's like nickname is just very old dog. Very old dog ODS. Um, where she just kind of. I think her equilibrium was off and like her ears were all plugged up. So now she kind of like stumbles like a drunken sailor a little bit. And she like sometimes has to walk around in a circle because like that's the way her body's going. Um, (laughs) Or like not in a circle, but like she, yeah, Yeah. poor baby. But she's getting um, a little bit stronger every day. But it was just like very emotional. And then. Um, when she went to the vet, I was left with our other dog who cried like a wolf, like an impala howling for (laughs) (laughs) to ovulate someone. She was like, oh, nice breadcrumb. Thank you. Um, (laughs) it was the saddest thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life was watching her howl. 
like it destroyed me <laughs> absolutely no. destroyed me and the only way she would stop is if I laid on the floor right next to her so I was just doing my work on my computer just like laying mm. next to her because <laughs> I couldn't my heart could not take her crying like that yeah I would like couldn't handle it and then it made me feel a little bit of empathy for when parents like have a hard time leaving their kids at school um because like kindergarten or just the first day of school, there are those parents that like where kids are clinging and they're like, oh, maybe if I walk into the class and we're like, no, get out don't now. Do it, don't do it. They're distracted. <laughs> Run for your car. Um, and it's I think it's easy as an educator to be like, "Ugh, I roll. What a bunch of wusses. They don't know how to do it. Like, you know, because every year we know we know what's going to happen. But I was like, oh, my God, if I feel this way about my dog that I, like, don't even normally live with, like, (laughs) I love my dogs, but they're my parents' dogs. Like, yeah, that would be horrifically painful (laughs) to hear your kid be like, I'll miss you. (laughs) Don't leave me here. You're abandoning me. Good. Good why I cried, everybody. Thanks. And everyone, Thanks. hey, good crying, it's okay everybody. To cry. In fact, you should be <laughs> let, let it, it out. You really if should. Any part of you holding it in for the love of God, just let Why? the tears. Why out. are you letting it in? <laughs> for who? Who are you keeping for up whom? appearances for? For Thanks. the gram? No one gives a fuck about the gram. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to our episode on uterine fibroids. Next week, we are soups excited because we're going to dive into ovaries, okay? Ovaries. Better believe it. Ovaries before brovaries or whatever that fucking thing is. Um, <laughs> anyway, we get into it and it's going to be very exciting, very informative. Um, send this episode to a loved one. Send this episode to a, a friend. One. A loathed one. <laughs> Um, we love, love, love growing this community and hearing from y'all. Uh, so with that in mind, we will see you next week. And until then, keep calm and embrace embrace the the diaper. diaper.